0: DJPK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Scott Reese, Stanford Cardinal, play-by-play voice. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner, Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Scott, good morning. Good morning to you, too, sir. Scott, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so let's start with a big question just because the quarterback is the quarterback and it's the most important position in the game, followed by the pass rusher who disrupts the quarterback. Uh, Stanford doesn't run the ball well, so the quarterback's a big deal. Is Tanner McKee going to play or not? What do you think?
1: Yeah, the quarterback's a big deal, especially as well as McKee has played all year. Um, my gut says no. Um, that's nothing more than a gut. I've not been to practice the last couple of days, so it is uh, strictly conjecture. But, you know, I know how Stanford deals with injuries. They're definitely on the conservative side. Uh, Tanner was flipping around pretty good after the game last week. And, uh, obviously, if he does not go, that's uh, that's a blow. I mean, he's been one of the, the best you know uh, quarterbacks in the conference uh, even with the limited experience he has, uh, this kid's the real deal. And so I think it would be uh, it would be a scratch-and-claw kind of effort for Stanford if he can't go.
0: So if he can't go, uh, one of the narratives to this season is, well, they lost the first game because they started the wrong quarterback. Uh, they've got a quarterback, uh, an Air Force transfer, who basically plays quarterback but doesn't throw passes. So do you play the guy who doesn't throw? Do you play the wrong quarterback? What happens if Tanner McKee can't go?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm certain they don't look at the decision that way. Um, <laughs> no. You know, They have confidence in Jack West. Uh, he's made three starts at the collegiate level. Um, I, you know, I also think he's been uh, treated kind of unfairly. You know, he had a start two years ago against UCLA as a sophomore, where he was the third stringer. He was in no way, shape, or form ready uh, for big-time college football. In that moment, and the start was a disaster. And I think a lot of people rush to judgment. Last year, Davis Mills has a false positive COVID test on day one in Oregon, of all places. And West makes the start. He played pretty well. He acquitted himself well. And this year, you know, week one, Kansas State, yeah, it didn't go well. And, you know, both quarterbacks alternated. And so, you know, what West has experience. He's a senior. He's been around. He knows the system. Uh, you know, he's going to be more of a game manager, obviously, than Tanner McKee. But my guess is. He will be the guy, and, and, you know, do they sprinkle in Isaiah Sanders, who's the Air Force transfer that you speak of? Uh, They certainly will. The question is, will it be more than just third and one and goal line? And, And obviously the answer to that, we'll find out tonight.
0: So after that Kansas State loss in the opener, they go with McKee. They beat USC at USC. Everybody at Stanford feels good about that because everybody loves to win at USC. <laughs> yeah. They go to Vanderbilt and win, winning back-to-back road games. I know it's Vandy, but that's not the easiest thing to do, travel across the country and win, and they do it. They do lose to UCLA, which is a downer at home. They bounce back and beat Oregon. So you're thinking, well, they won three out of four, and Stanford may not be great, but they look like they're pretty good. And they lose at Arizona State. They lose at Washington State. They lose at home to Washington. They got a three game losing streak. They're now three and five. All the mojo from that, you know, winning that three out of four and beating Oregon seems out the window. How did it all go wrong? Because walking off the field after Oregon, nobody thought they were going to lose their next three games.
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's that's such a difficult question, as it always is, right? There's no one answer. Um, I'll give you a couple of reasons. One is the excuse, but it's a legit excuse with Stanford is the interest, right? Uh, you know, a team that has struggled to run the ball was so dynamic in the passing attack, and then in that Oregon game you lose Bryson Tremaine, who was the highest-rated player not just on the offense, on the entire roster, a wide receiver. He was an absolute revelation. So your number one wide receiver, poof, gone. You don't have your... Uh, you're a number one wide receiver from last year who's still coming back from injury, who actually might play tonight for the first time, and that's Michael Wilson. And then you lose John Humphreys, who's uh, your number three receiver to injury, and he's been gone for the last three weeks. So all of a sudden, a team that has relied heavily on the pass was down to one – uh, credible wide receiver, um, which is a tough way to go about winning games. So that's part of it. Um, but you know, if, if you scratch beneath the circus, uh, beneath the circus, it's uh, If you uh, beneath the surface, uh, you look at the last two games. I mean, Stanford had leads over Washington State and Washington with the ball with five or six minutes to go. You know, they were one first down away, arguably, from being you know five and three right now, or one first down in both those games from being five and three instead of three and five, and we're having a much different conversation. So, um, you know, it's the ability to win late, it's the ability to win close games, and frankly, that is an ability that David Shaw has shown, you know, over and over and over during his tenure at Stanford. But it hasn't gone their way the last two weeks, and so here we are.
0: Why doesn't Stanford have a better run game? One 100 100-yard back, 100 back all year. Pete had an 87-yard run against USC, so obviously got over 100 in that game at 115. That's not the Stanford we've all been watching for the last decade?
1: No, it's not. Uh, and that's been really the mystery to everybody uh, because heading into this season... You know, with the uncertainty of quarterbacks, we hadn't seen Tanner McKee. The question was, boy, you know, is this team going to be able to throw the ball? But boy, we know they're going to be able to run it because of the backs that they have coming back and the line that they have coming back. So they flipped the script completely. It has been an absolute mystery. A lot of it's on the offensive line. Um, It's been good in spurts, but it hasn't been good enough, obviously, from you know top to bottom and and throughout the course of the season. Um, You know, I think that. The, uh, Austin Jones got dinged up in week one, and I think there was uh, a little bit of lag in coming back from that injury. He didn't seem to have the same burst that he had a year ago. Um, but really, I, I still don't have an answer. It's honestly mind-boggling because they should be able to run the ball with the personnel that they have. New offensive line coach this year, you know, there's some subtleties there, and maybe the, you know, they're doing some different things, and they just, you know, it's taken longer to gel. I wish I knew the answer. They wish they knew the answer because obviously that's, that's a big deal with Stanford's offense.
0: So the only thing that's uh, more surprising than that is Stanford's inability to stop the run. They've held only two teams under 200 yards this year, 200 being an enormous number. And USC and Washington yeah. State both want to spread the field and throw it. So, of course, you can hold them under 200. But SC ran for 185 yards, and Wazoo ran for 100. So what in the world is going on there, and how are they going to slow the Utes down?
1: Uh, good question. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it has been a, a recurring theme. You know, you can't you can't deny the numbers. They are what they are. Um, you know, teams have seen uh, a perceived weakness, they've exploited it. Uh Stanford has not been able to adjust the stop in the run. Um, you know, they they have one, you know, star up front, right, with, with Thomas Booker on the defensive line. Um, but they have not gotten the complimentary play uh, from, you know, the role players. Uh, I think to, to to back up Booker, who's you know obviously been a really good Pac-12 player for a long time. Uh, I think the linebackers have gotten better over the course of the year. But they're still dealing with guys who, even though they look like seniors in the box score, are extremely inexperienced. Uh, Ricky and Jacob mangum Ferrar, they're two starters at inside linebacker. They're both seniors, and they have played a combined one game in their careers heading into this year because of year-long injuries multiple times. And so they've still got guys who are getting used to you know the flow of college football. And, and it sounds like an excuse, but you know if you were asking me to explain it, they've got dudes in the linebacking core, um, and it's gotten better. But it's obviously not good enough, and and they have to be better at stopping the run because you're not going to beat good teams, obviously, giving up 200 yards on the ground.
0: Most people like to be right. I'm no different. I like to be right. And as I ask you all these questions, I just feel like a total honk because they all add up to, well, Utah's going to win this game easily. And yet, I look at the point spread and, like, don't argue with Vegas. These people do it for a living. They're rarely wrong. They totally butchered the issue zoo spread last week. But aside from that, they're very rarely wrong. So what's going to keep this game so close and make it a one-possession game? Because that's what Vegas thinks.
1: You know, uh, the, the quarterback obviously is an X factor. It, you know, if, if McKee plays, if McKee doesn't play, that that's a big deal. There's no getting around that. But I will say this: you know, Stanford has had this strange little habit uh, over the entirety of David Shaw's tenure of playing its best when uh, nobody expects them to win. Now, those situations have been rare, obviously, under David Shaw, but. Seems like, uh, and, and there was a number a couple of years back that as a double-digit underdog, I think he was four and zero at one point in his career, straight up, not against the spread. So, it just just somehow, some way, handling adversity, and I think that's part of what has you know really defined David Shaw's tenure is these teams are so mentally tough and the next man up philosophy is is ingrained and they just you know they they get it that they, they play through adversity they rise up all all the you know the hokey things you want to talk about but it's true i mean look all, all you have to do is look at last year right i mean they were they were banished from their own stadium for a month because of COVID. they were the only power five team that couldn't play a game at home for the last month of the season because of the santa clara county you know goofy COVID rules or whatever at the time and uh, lo and behold, four straight road games didn't come home in between because if they came home, they'd have to quarantine. So they were literally on the road for four straight weeks, which nobody does. I mean, who does that in college football? And they went four and zero. And that's you know, it was that that you know adversity, the road dog mentality they embraced. It so there's something to that with Stanford. I don't know if you know Vegas is is on to that, and that explains you know I don't really deal in spritz, but uh, I can tell you that you can't count this team out just because you look on paper and say, oh yeah, they should lose this game.
0: So David Shaw's in his 11th year now. The first five years, he had a Fiesta Bowl and three Rose Bowls. A phenomenal run. A couple 11-win seasons, a couple 12-win seasons. Phenomenal results. Now, since then... He's only been in double digits one. The last double-digit win season was 2016. Uh, Everybody here, because of the Mountain West days, knows about Gary Patterson and TCU. I don't think this is exactly what happened with Patterson and TCU, but it's it's also not all that different. And we just know how college football is trending. Win now or get out of the way. We pay you a buyout and we give a gazillion dollars to the next guy, who may or may not be able to do it, but we do it anyway. Uh, Is there any of that around Stanford, or is Stanford really different, and Shaw's the guy, and take that storyline somewhere else?
1: The latter, 100%. Stanford is different, Uh, Shaw's the guy. There is zero, uh, I mean, again, I can't speak to what's going on behind closed doors within the administration, but I would be... Very, very surprised if there was even a hint of, you know, Gary Patterson-itis within the administration. Uh, I think David Shaw has lifetime tenure here and will coach here as long as he wants to coach here. And I think that the administration is perfectly fine with that and perfectly happy. And they they believe that, you know, he will be the guy two years from now that he was, you know, three years ago. So uh, the trend is disturbing. There's no doubt. I mean You know, the numbers are what they are. Now Stanford would have gone to a bowl game last year and probably a pretty good one at four and two, but they opted out because you know that uh, the aforementioned road uh, month on the road after COVID they just couldn't do it anymore, so they said thanks but no thanks. Um, But that said, you know, two years ago was not good, and this year is obviously three and five, so. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but, but uh, your point, your question is extremely reasonable, and I think that there are many schools around the nation where uh, a lot more eyebrows would be raised. But Stanford is a little bit different.
0: Scott Reese, Stanford Cardinal play-by-play guy, joining us. Uh, the youths have the tiebreaker on ASU. They're a game in front of them with four to go. They got the tiebreaker on U- USC and UCLA, and they're two up. And the loss column, there with four to go. And they still get to play Arizona and Colorado. So it sure seems like the Utes are going to the Pac-12 title game if they get past Stanford tonight. You're covering all these teams in the North, seeing all these teams in the North. Uh, Oregon's got the lead, but, man, there's a bunch of teams piled up right behind them. This race could change real quickly with the Oregon-Washington game, Oregon-Oregon State. There's, there's plenty of big games to be played here. Who do you think is going to win the North?
1: Yeah, um, you know it's been such a such a, a jumble the entire year, and yet Oregon's still sitting there with the one loss, uh, and obviously is, is having been in the press box for the one loss. You know, you think that that Oregon is vulnerable, and, and I have, you know, uh, long been of the opinion that this Oregon team is very good, but not great. You know, this is not a to me it's not a college football playoff caliber team, and you know, obviously I'd love to see the Pac-12 represented. Um, Oregon State is tough, and I I haven't seen them in person yet. We go there next week. Um, Washington State, I have seen in person. And they've got something weird going on with, you know, the Rolovich firing there. They're playing for each other. It's galvanizing the team. And, and, you know, I don't think people are taking them seriously enough because they're good enough on defense. That it complements what we know is a good offense, and they can they can win any game that they play. So, uh, I still think, to me, until proven otherwise, Oregon's still the team to beat. But I in no way say this with confidence that oh yeah they're going to run the table because I think they I think they may drop a game somewhere. But you know then you go to tiebreakers and two losses here and there and, and whatnot. And I haven't done all the scenarios. So um, to me, Oregon is the best team by a hair but it's a lot closer than the rankings would indicate.
0: Well, a lot of those tie-breaking scenarios you don't have to do yet because the three teams on two losses right behind them are still on Oregon's schedule. Washington this week, Washington State in two weeks. And after Oregon plays at Utah, then they play Oregon State. Those are the teams. It's uh, those four teams in the north. So. Well, Scott, well, we appreciate. I, I would be. Okay.
1: I just say I, I I would be mildly surprised if Oregon doesn't drop one more game the rest of the way. But I, you know, again, then you, then you got all the two lost teams, and you you let the chips fall where they
0: may. Scott, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game yeah. tonight.
1: No problem. You got it.
0: All right, there is Scott Reese, Stanford Cardinal play-by-play voice. The number one reason to believe the Utes could have a problem tonight is because Stanford is really good. When it looks like they have no shot. It's very Kyle Whittinghamish. Get your back against the wall, don't roll over, summon your best effort. Now, if Tanner McKee doesn't go, is there enough talent? Because they don't run the ball, and he's the guy who throws it. So if they don't have him, then they just they just don't have enough talent. If they have him though, and you get a few turnovers, and we know the Utes had turnover problems, you know, it's been about a month and they seem to have fixed them, but if they pop back up, then anything can happen. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, your feedback. Coming up next. Stay with us.